This is a teaching from Grace River Church in O'Fallon, Missouri. Our prayer is that this sermon will help inspire you to take the next step of your faith with Jesus Christ. Welcome to Grace River Church Online at Home. My name is Jacob, and I have the honor, the privilege of being the next-gen pastor here at Grace River Church. I get to pastor 6th to 12th grade kids, and it's the best part of being at Grace River, man. I'm excited to share a little bit uh, of an encouragement with you today. We are in week two of our series titled Sand, where we've been asking the question, what are you building your life on? Last week, Pastor Chris talked about the danger of building our life on ourselves and our own pride. And today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about the danger of building our life on other people. Oftentimes, we think that other people can complete us, but rather they complement us. And so what we're going to learn today is that Jesus should be the only foundation that we are to build our life on. One of the most famous stories in scripture is that of a wise man who builds his house on the rock and and the story of a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And when the storm came, when the wind blew, the wise man's house remained, but the foolish man's house was destroyed. As I read that, I had discovered something I'd never really thought about, that wisdom can't prevent your storm. Think about that for a second. Wisdom can't prevent your storm. Either way, there's going to be a storm that happens in your life. If you're a Christian, you're still going to experience storms. Going to church can't prevent the storms in your life. And so we can't prevent storms, but what we can do is we can prepare for storms. And so as we prepare for the storms that are going to come in our life, that it's important we ask ourselves right now, what are you building your life on. You know, oftentimes we like to build our life on good things. Don't get me wrong. We like to build our life on our spouses, on on our families, our kids, our careers, our financial status. And all of these things are good, but a good thing can become a bad thing when we make it a foundational thing. Jesus is the only thing that should be at the foundation of our life. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the danger of building our life based off of other people. And we're going to continue on in our series Sand. We're going to continue on in Luke 7 uh, and we're going to be in Luke 7, 11 through 16. And so before I dive into this, uh, I'll give you a little bit of a preface, right? Jesus had just finished performing miracles in a nearby town, in a nearby village. And so him and his disciples uh, were We're going from town to town, village to village, uh, doing some pretty amazing things. And what's going to happen in this story that we are going to read about here today is that Jesus is going to encounter a widowed woman and something beautiful is going to happen. And so read with me in Luke 7, verse 11. It says, soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. A young man who had died was a a widow's only son, and a crowd from the village was with her. So here we see the beginning of a really sad story. And what we're going to see a little bit later on is that it gets pretty joyful. But at the beginning of this story, it's pretty sad, to be honest, right? This woman had previously lost her, her husband. And so for a woman to lose her husband in this culture would have been really significant. Like 
the husband would have been the rock. He would have been the foundation. He would have been the provider for the family. And so when she loses her husband, I imagine that she had gone through a lot of emotions, a lot of hardships, but her last hope was her son. Her son would have had to fill the shoes of her husband. Her son would have had to fill the shoes of his father. He would have had to have been the protector for the family. He would have had to have been the provider, that cornerstone in their relationship. And so when her only son had died, I imagine that this woman had lost any, any last bit of hope that she had, and she had been going through a, through a lot. And so the lesson to be learned here is that if we aren't careful, we too can build our lives on other people. Again, it's not bad to, to love people. I think that that's an amazing thing. Like God has placed people in our lives, but we can't put our hope in other people. It's easy to put our hope in people because people uh, that are close to us are family. Uh, it's easy to put our hope in our best friends and, and people that we really trust, right? But we also have to remember that we have this spiritual hope of the unseen, but this is a hope that is never going to fail us. The problem with putting our hope and our trust in people is that people are fragile. People are going to fail us. You know, I'm, I met my wife, Hannah, in college, and before I had met Hannah, I was your typical college dude. I just wanted to hang out with the boys. I just wanted to have fun and make memories with my guys. And then little did I know that Hannah's uh, sliding into my DM would have changed my life forever. Uh, she slid into my DMs and, and the rest was history. Little did I know that this would be the girl I would end up marrying, that, that this is the girl that I had been praying for uh, even as a high school kid. This is the girl that I had dreamed of. She had brought me so much joy. This is everything that I was looking for in a woman. But can I tell you, she makes a terrible savior, right? Like she just can't do it. Earlier, I said that a good thing turns into a bad thing when we make it a foundational thing. And I'm very careful to not put Hannah at the foundation of my life because you think about a foundation to a house. Everything else on your house is built off of the foundation. And if I'm to build everything in my life off of my foundation being Hannah, then I have a pretty pretty weak foundation because again, I'm going to fail Hannah and Hannah's going to fail me. But if I make Jesus my firm foundation, I know that it's going to unwaver. It's going to withstand the storm that we talked a little bit about earlier today. A good thing turns into a bad thing when you make it a foundational thing. You know, even though Hannah is my wife and I love her dearly, uh, I'm going to fail her and she's going to fail me. And so I just want you to know that God has and he never will fail you. Like God loves you and he wants the best for you and his love, his compassion, his mercy is unwavering in your relationship with him. Uh, what we're gonna see uh, in verse 13 is something pretty pretty powerful. This is the hope that comes in this story, right? So we started off pretty sad, but verse 13 says that when the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. In her deepest moment of pain, verse 13 says that the Lord saw her, and he didn't just rather see her, but rather he noticed her. I think, it's a, I think there's something to be said that he didn't just see her and keep walking, but rather 
Jesus noticed the pain that she was in, and what it says is that his heart overflowed with compassion. He, he had this feeling in his stomach that he needed to go over and to talk to this woman and to care for her. And what we're going to read about in just a few minutes is a miracle that he performs in her life. But what I want you to know is that maybe you're going through the hardest moment of your life right now. You might be going through the hardest season of life right now to where you just feel choked out by stress. You feel choked out by anxiety and worry and fear, depression, thoughts of suicide, whatever it may be that feels like you are being brought down by the enemy. I want you to know that the Lord sees you. He notices your pain and he feels compassion towards you. The Greek word for compassion is this word called splagna. And I'm really interested by this word, uh, partially because it's just such a fun word to say. If you're watching this, just say splagna. It's a fun word to say, but it means to feel from the guts or the intestines. Have you ever felt that kind of pain before? Imagine with me, you are on your way home from work, right? And you see a bunch of uh, sirens and lights uh, up ahead and you're like, oh man, I'm just ready to be home with my family, with my kids. You're angry that somebody got in a car wreck, but then as you get closer, you begin to recognize the car off in a distance, and then you continue to get closer and closer, and uh, you begin to see that people are actually sitting on the side of the road being tended to, and then you get closer and you realize those aren't just two strangers. Those are like two people whom you love dearly, that you know and immediately what begins to happen? Your heart begins to ache, right? Like there's this internal pain that you begin to feel in your stomach and you begin to feel this deep, deep compassion for them, praying that everything is okay. That's splagna. That's how Jesus feels about you. I want you to know no matter who you are or what you've done, God sees you, he understands you, and his heart overflows with compassion for you. What happens next is, is pretty crazy. Jesus says to the woman, don't cry. Then he walked over to the coffin and he touched it. And the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Right. So Jesus touches the coffin, which was unheard of in this day. The law had stated that you aren't to touch anything that is dead or anything that's touching anything that's dead. Because if you do then that makes you unclean. And so for Jesus, the Messiah, to come into this scene and to touch a dead body and to touch this coffin would have been jaw-dropping. Everybody would have gasped at the sight of Jesus touching this coffin. But what an example of Jesus's love for us, that he would cross these lines, that he would cross barriers to come into our life and to say, I want to heal the broken things in your life and to make them whole again. Maybe today you're going through a broken marriage or a marriage that you wish just could be a little bit better because there seems to be some sort of a disconnect. I want you to know that Jesus wants to penetrate your life, to come into your life and to make that marriage whole again. Maybe you have a broken relationship with your kids and you just don't know what to do. Uh, parenting is difficult and you just doubt your, your skills as a parent, I want you to know that Jesus wants to come into your life and to make that relationship with your kids one that's worth having. He comes into this woman's life and he resurrects her son 
from the dead. And he tells that young man to get up. And as air fills his lungs, it says that that dead boy sat up and he began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And great fear swept the crowd. And they praised God saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people today. Man, what a powerful miracle of Jesus that he would resurrect this young boy from the dead. And I believe that Jesus comes right into the scene at just the perfect time to help this widowed woman believe. Because the truth of the matter is, is that this young boy was going to die again. But I believe that he comes in to help her believe so that the next time he dies, she would be reminded of this time, of this place that Jesus came and gave her hope when she felt no hope at all. He comes into, the, he, he comes into her life at just the right time. And, and, and I think that Jesus wanted this for, for this woman to be reminded that her hope is not in people, but it's in a firm foundation and his name is Jesus. And then verse 17 is great. It says, and the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. Think about the contrast from the beginning of this story to now. There was no hope at the beginning of this story, right? This woman had been going through it all. The, the two people that were her rock had just died and she, she was feeling hopeless. She was feeling despaired. She was needing something. And Jesus comes into the scene at just the right time as he always does and he gives her hope. Right, so this goes from a sorrowful story to, to this, to the good news about Jesus being spread throughout all of Judea and the surrounding countryside. What a joyful celebration this would have been. Can I encourage you? Don't let the good news of Jesus stop with you today. Build your life on Jesus. Let him transform your heart. Let him transform your life and see what he can do and go and tell people about the good that he has done in your life. If there's one thing that I want you to take away from today, one next step, it would be to build your life on, uh, don't build your life on people, but build your life on Jesus, right? Don't build your life on people. People will fail you and you will fail people. Build your life on Jesus. Decide now that you're going to put the effort into making Jesus your firm foundation, the hope of the world, Man, I hope that that's an encouragement to you today. And so as we finish, can I just pray for you? God, we love you and we're believing that you're gonna do something great in our life. Today is the day that we, are, that we are deciding to not put our hope in people, but to put our hope in you. Because your love for us is unwavering. Your, your love for us is continual even when we decide to run from you, God. And, and we're so thankful for who you are, what you've done for us. And we're believing that you're gonna do something great in our life this week. Thanks again for listening. We would love to see you at one of our in-person services that meet on Sunday at 8.30, 9.45, and 11 a.m. If you feel so inclined to give, you can do so at www.graceriver.cc. Have a great week.